that energy, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for watching wherever you are. We are so glad that you're in the theater. We've got a great Sunday plan for you. In today's message, we're going to be wrapping up this series question we've been asking all four weeks. And this is it. What powers the Simple Church? What is it that makes Simple Church what it is? Well, we have figured out that it's the invite. There's all these different things. When you invite somebody, it's being different. All of those things are true. But... What is also true, it is the power of love. That's why we're having a little fun with that today. Go ahead and hit the track, son. Give me some Huey Lewis going on. Now, the reason I wanted to hit that Huey Lewis track is because it was a great soundtrack in the movie, but it's more than just one song or one sermon. It is going to be a month-long series all the way through February, and we're going to teach you how to discover how powerful love is all the way through February 4th. Are you ready for that? Come on, give me a little love if you are. Yes, okay. Good. Now, as we're wrapping up today's Back to the Boardwalk series, let's go all the way back to 2007. There's a lot of new people here. You don't really know all of the story. So I'm going to go back and give you the little setup to tell you why the love is so important. We launched back in 2007, we got our first trailer, and we unloaded it, and we were looking at all this equipment, and all the things are inside of it, and I'll put it on the screen, that way you can see it, and you'll see some volunteers out there, you'll see Portable Church helping us get all of this wonderful equipment off. We only had one trailer, that's all we started with, which is miraculous when you look at where we are today, but... We knew that that equipment would help us to be able to communicate the message. But we also knew we had to have volunteers. We found this picture, and this is uh, Cindy. That was Abby, uh, her daughter, actually doing the announcements this morning. So Cindy and Joel there, and, and that skinny guy there in the black shirt. Yeah, that was me, to, you know, 2007, a long time ago. But what was cool is we were all coming together to figure out how to do this thing called the Simple Church. At that time, though, we really weren't sure of what it would be called. What are we going to name the church? We had the volunteers, we had the equipment, but what are we going to call it? And there was a lot of debate over this because when the church is launched, sometimes it's by location. You know, you go, I'm going to name it after a certain location. You've probably seen it like the Red River Church or the Stonebridge Church. or they, they pick a location and they go, that's the name. Well, the problem was we didn't know where the simple church would be. And I went and took a picture of the actual location I thought we would be locating the Simple Church. It is between Shane's and Counterculture over there on Highway 80. And when you see that little nail shop there, that's where I thought the Simple Church would be. I would have been bad, bad, bad off if I had done that. But that's what I thought. I was like, man, maybe we could launch in this shopping center and it would have been too small. It would have never worked. But I didn't know. And... We didn't stay there. We would have never been able to stay in any location that we had picked originally because it kept growing and evolving and changing. And when I pulled these pictures together, uh, I wanted to show you all of the different locations. Why a location church wouldn't have worked like by name is because all of these venues we have played in, whether it's CenturyLink, the arena, we'll be there again this Easter, or the Strand when we've done worship nights, or Convention Center, outside, backyards, the BIC. We've been all over Shreveport, Bossier. So a location name probably wasn't going to work. We figured that out. But then there was some debate. It was, well, should you name the church after a religious symbol? You know, sometimes like the Cross Church or whatever it may be, Baptism Church. You can come up with all these different names. Well, we didn't think that was a really good idea, and I'm kind of really glad we didn't because when I ran across these pictures, it reminded me of why naming a church uh, something like that can be a little off. For example, look at this one right here. This is the Flippin' Church of God. Now, <laughs> if you don't believe this, that is a true church name. 
Now you go, how is Flippin' Church of God a name? Well, the city they live in is Flippin' Arkansas, which is kind of crazy. And how about this one, the Boring Baptist Church? We've been there. No, I'm just kidding. That's another real name of a church. But this is one of my favorite. We talk about religious titles. It's like the Little Hope Baptist Church. Not very enticing. So what you realize by looking at these pictures and our experience, location wasn't going to work, religious names are going to be weird. We knew church is complicated. It can be very complicated. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do, what we were going to do. So we prayed, we researched, and then a verse came to my attention that we decided this was going to be the launch. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Well, this was a religious guy coming up to Jesus and trying to trick him and ask him. like, hey, which commandment is the most important? So Jesus answered, this isn't a disciple. This isn't me and you. This is the man himself. And he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. They knew that, but he was reminding them, hey, we're going to go put God first. But the second one was new for them. When it says this, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I underline equally important because this would have been extremely offensive to them. They didn't really believe that like loving God was going to be on the same plane, the same power level as loving people. But he, Jesus, was saying, yes it is. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this and got a fresh look at it, This is where we got love God, love people. It is a simple, simple concept. So that's why I was like, man, maybe we should just name it the Simple Church. And then we came up with, obviously, logos and all the things are going. I found our first logo from 2007, and it's kind of vintage now. And I see some people wearing some of their shirts around today, and we're kind of laughing because at the time, we really didn't know what was going to happen. We just knew that we wanted to make church less complicated, keep it as simple as possible, and focus on what Jesus focused on. And the name is one thing, and the concept is a really good concept. Jesus obviously came up with it. But there was also some debate, do we really need another church? From where we launched to the boardwalk, there's about 40 to 50 churches that are in that area. And and you're in the South, it's like churches are everywhere. So you're going, why would you launch another church and what's going to make this church different? Well, Jesus was about new things and this was going to be a new thing. Just like he was telling those religious leaders then, he's still speaking to us today. And this is the message that all of us need to hear today. I'm glad you're here. Make sure you tune in. Don't just come in and check the box. I've been at church today. Listen to this statement, John 13. I give you a new command, and that is to love each other. That's a little weird because Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new command. Now, this is thousands of years ago. They had the Ten Commandments, but now he's going next level. I am telling you, you're going to love each other, and this is going to be something that the world is going to recognize. Now, at that time, that didn't sound too unusual but at the same time it was very different at the you had two things going on it's like wait haven't we heard this before because remember Jesus keeps saying these ideas but this is where he was really setting them up the rest of the verse says you must love each other just as I loved you now at the time they did not know that he was going to go to the cross they didn't know the sacrifices that were going to be made they didn't know the commitment that Jesus was going to demonstrate but he was saying that to all of us in here today 
He's reminding all of us, hey, I want you to not just come to church. I don't want you to be religious. I don't want you to be denomination focused. I want you to remember the power of love. And when you can focus on loving people the way that I loved you, others are going to notice. The last verse says right here, it says, and that's how people will know you. That's how they're going to know that you're connected to me. Now, the reason that's powerful and still works today is because Jesus was setting up a simple idea that you're not going to be known for music. You're not going to be known for preaching. You're going to be known by the power of your love. And he knew that the power of love could and would change the world. Now, that's different because everyone believes religion can do that. Some people put stock in war, rebellion, or even politics. I'm not going to make any politics statements other than this one right here. Because you know, everybody's going, well, if we just had this in place, if this works, and if, we, if this can happen, and if we can defeat this nation, and all, and Jesus is like going, for thousands of years, there's going to be one thing that's going to change the world. It's going to be your love. And I'm going to tell you over and over again, love is a powerful message that has to be understood and then lived out. Now, why do I say that? When you grow up in church, you don't always see that. You hear preaching, you hear songs, you have some programs. But we're not always great at demonstrating the love. So I decided to pull together another video to kind of give you an example in a modern world. When I tell you that love is powerful, when I tell you that it's this idea of loving someone else the way that Christ loved us, this video sets it up perfectly. Yes, it's a Steve Hartman video, but the story found in it is unique. Very, very powerful. And I think by the time you watch it and you walk through this, you'll understand why I wanted you to see it this morning. It really is love in action. Watch. There are always a lot of people to thank on a wedding day. But the bride-to-be at this church outside Chicago had one person to thank over all others, a total stranger who made this possible. I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for him. A couple years ago, out of the blue, 27-year-old Heather Kruger was diagnosed with stage four liver disease. Doctors said she had just a few months to live. I mean, they immediately told me I was gonna need a transplant. That's not enough time to really find a donor, right? No. By that time, I could really feel my body shutting down. Enter our hero. Chris Dempsey is a code enforcement officer for the village of Frankfurt, Illinois. What's going on? And he says he was in the break room one day when he overheard a guy talking about this woman who needed a liver donor. I spent four years in the Marine Corps and learned there never to run away from anything. So I just said to myself, hey, if I can help, I'm going to help. Keep in mind, he'd never met Heather, but he got tested to see if he was compatible. And when he found out he was, that's when they finally met for the first time. We had lunch together, discussed what the whole process was going to be. Did you buy at least? No, he bought. Oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he bought, that I remember. Not long after, they checked into the University of Illinois Hospital. The transplant, which involves removing about half of the donor's liver, went off without a hitch. Afterward, Chris and Heather remained close. They got so close, in fact, he was at her wedding last weekend. He had to be, really. I mean, what's a wedding without a groom? And so it was that a year and a half after giving her part of his liver, she gave him all her heart. 
You're the most incredible man I've ever known. You believe in me and you make me feel amazing every single day. Because of you, I laugh, smile, and I dare to dream again. Acts of great kindness are done without expectation. When Chris decided to give an organ to a random stranger, he had no idea he was saving his own wife. But such is the way of goodness. The more likely you are to live for others, the more likely you are to live happily ever after. Steve Hartman on the road in Frankfurt, Illinois. <laughs> you know, the reason I love these videos is because there's no way you can believe that's really true unless you saw it. Like you talk about sacrificial love is this guy didn't know her, you know, from anyone, decides to give half of his liver and then finds the love of his life. First John 3, 16 says this. This is how we know what real love is, is when you're willing to give your life. See, Jesus did it, and then he's really challenging us to say, all right, what makes you different as Christians? What will make a church stand out is when you're known by that love. So let's keep it real. Why has the church lost its power? Why have you lost your power? Because if you really look at your life and examine like I'm trying to do, and I think through this next month we're all going to do, is we'll realize that sin comes in and it kind of knocks us off, obviously. Pride comes in. But then, are you really willing to give up your life? I mean, seriously, really willing to die to yourself. Now, we all say that. But many of us actually believe, no, we don't need to die to ourselves. We need to fight for what's right. We need to argue. We need to demand our way. We need to kind of push for change. And this is how things are going to be different. But the problem is Jesus messes with all of that. The only person that Jesus argued with, fought with, was take a wild guess, religious jerks. That's it. So here we are in a modern world, 2,000 years later, claiming to be Christ-like, wanting to follow him, a church in his honor, but yet we may struggle with loving the person next to us, loving the person in our community. This is why for 16, now going into 17 years, we try to remind you and push you and encourage you because I'm trying to remind, push, and encourage myself. You cannot lose sight of what is most important. 1 John 3, 18 continues. It says, my children, Jesus saying, hey, listen, our love cannot be just words and talk. You can't just be focused on singing songs. You can't be just preaching messages. Our love has to be real. And if it's going to be real, it is shown by the things that we do. That is why you packed the food bags last week. That is why you raised money for Parkinson's. That's why we go to mission trips. I mean, we got Mexico coming up with our family trips. If you want to go on a family mission trip, it's coming up in March. If you want to go to Honduras, there's wells that are going to be drilled. We're going to Africa later. And all of those things help me to kind of stay focused and to show my love and to die to myself. But if we're not careful, we can just go through life. And the next thing you know, it's like, man, we're just going through. Like this could be another sermon. And then we don't live it out. We don't walk out here and do it. We just kind of go, oh, that's good. Okay, I got it. The real challenge is to demonstrate it, to let people know. Now, I grew up with Showtime with the Apollo. Anybody remember Showtime with the Apollo? Let me hear you. Come on, theaters in here, wherever you're at. Come on. 
Steve Harvey was the host that I remember, and he would come out, and he would always say that phrase before a guest would come out, a kid would come out, he'd go, you know, Apollo, show your love. And so I thought, because most of you have no idea what I'm talking about, I would take you back in time to Apollo, show your love. And guess what? Snoop Dogg in church, cuz. Roll it. Apollo, show your love for Snoop Dogg. Get up one time. Come on, y'all. It's the one and only Eagle Double G. Da 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 da. You know I'm back up in the NYC. Come on, come on, everybody, put your hands in the air. Put your hands way up in the air. Come on, come on, put your hands way up in the air. Put them way, way up in the air. And everybody just flipped out like, come on, y'all, give them some love. <laughs> Reason you couldn't clap is because you're in shock and you're like, did that preacher just play Snoop Dogg in church? Yes. All for a purpose. When Steve Harvey says, show your love. Did you see what the people did? They stood up. Show your love. They all stood up. Then they started doing what? Clapping. This is like, put your hands together. And they all started doing it. And I was in here just getting it going, son. And you're going like, well, what has all that got to do with anything, Justin? You ready for this? Love is action. Love is action. If you love your artist, you're like, yes, that's why I asked you to clap. That's why I want you to, whatever is why, because you're approving, you're showing love to the video or to the thought or to the concept or to the band or to the artist. Because love is action and love is powerful. When that happens, it can change a room. It can create energy in the room. And Jesus knew this because it was way more than a concert. It was life change. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love. He demonstrates his love in this, that while we're still sinners, he died for us. He didn't just say that he loved us. He didn't just say, you know, I love you, I love you. No, he's a man of action. Selfless sacrifice demonstrated for all to see. And guess what? It changed the world. I'll put the image on the screen so that you can be reminded. It's not just Easter. This is a visible demonstration of his love for us so maybe the reason that we've lost our power the church has lost its powers because we're too selfish if i say come on y'all go show your love are we too selfish are we too self-centered that we're afraid that we'll embarrass ourselves or that we'll step on somebody's toes if we try to love them or we try to meet a need not argue with them not prove your point not preach at them not sing at them but demonstrate your love i think a, maybe our problem is we have the frank complex you know what the frank complex is i'll put it on the screen for you yeah you want to do it your way i want to do it my way i did it my way you're welcome my money my life my way you're not going to tell me preacher what to do no church is going to tell me what to do I mean, I'm going to do my thing, man. Don't, don't be trying to get in my business. I know what's going on. I'm going to do it my way. But here's what we know. The power is connected to death to self because that is true love. So example, if you have a husband, a wife, a kids in here, you can't just tell them you love them. You want to show them that you love them. And how you do that is by selfless sacrifice. You say, hey, I love you. So sometimes it's flowers, right? You get it. You're like, hey, it's a little love, right? 
But the real selfless love is when you load the dishwasher. Can I get an amen? Yeah, somebody's like, yes, amen. But here's the truth for all of us today. The greatest love you can show is when you're willing, not just load the dishwasher, but you lay down your life. You give your life for your friends. We talk it, you can say what you want to say, but if you say you love this community, you say you love your friends, you say you love whatever, your family, it's a sacrifice, a selfless sacrifice, willing to do whatever you can to demonstrate that love. Now, I got one more story, and it's kind of, uh, it's Steve Hartman again, but it's heavier. I mean, the other one's kind of encouraging, like unbelievable, but this one is even more unbelievable. It'll stretch some of you in here. It'll stretch you because as I watched it this week, I was like, man, would I, could I, would that happen? I don't believe I know anybody that could live it out more truthful than these two right here. And this is a great example of selfless sacrifice, love, powerful. Watch. For most of her adult life, 69-year-old Jean Gustafson has suffered from chronic regret can't turn back the clock. I wish I could. Would you do anything different? Yes, I would have married him. I would have married him. As we first reported a few months ago, what Jean so regrets is breaking up with her college sweetheart. So this was the spring of 72. A guy she met in the German club at Loyola University in Chicago. This is Steve and I in the back here. Jean says he would have made the perfect husband. A lot of memories here. If only he'd been white. My mother was absolutely livid. I mean, what did she say? What didn't she say? How could I disgrace the family? It was not pretty. Partly because of those pressures, Jean broke up with Steve Watts and never saw him again. Until last year, when she tracked him down at this Chicago nursing home. What I found was sort of a broken man. Like Jean, Steve was divorced with no kids. But life for him had been much harder. He'd fallen on terrible times. He was homeless, had two strokes, and was almost unrecognizable the day Gene walked back into his life. But he's still the wonderful, gorgeous man that I knew. Did all those feelings come rushing back? Yes, for both of us. And so, with her mother no longer in the way, Jean made arrangements to move Steve from the nursing home to her home in Portland, Oregon. Sleeping. I feel terribly lucky that I get a second chance. Steve? Steve's health issues have left him bedridden, but his mind is sharp and his heart young. In fact, if you listen closely, you can still hear his devotion, unwavering after all these years. All of us do. Racism drove its wedge and love wormed its way back permanently. A few weeks ago, 43 years after her mom laid their love asunder, Jean and Steve were married, newlyweds, now well on their way to making up for a lifetime of lost time. You know, when I saw the video, you know, I always research or trying to find these things to drive the point home. And when I saw this one, I was like, man, that's, that's next level. Culture, all the cultural things that are going on, the 
the health. Like you think they're going to find each other and they're going to be both in good places, healthy, successful, and they get married. But then I'm going, this woman demonstrated sacrificial love. It's powerful. So I challenge you with this thought. As we go through this next month, how will you show your love? To your spouse, to your kids, to your friends, coworkers, neighbors, strangers, and are you ready for this? Even your enemies. Because over the next few weeks, you're going to see that the power of love is a very practical thing. I'm going to give you ways to do it. I'm going to help you so that when you walk out into the real world, back into your home or your workplace or your school, you'll go, all right, we got some work to do. Because you got to remember, Jesus said, this is what will change the world. So why spend a month on this topic? This is why. Matthew 5. So what if you're about to give your offering and you remember that someone has something against you? I mean, this is you're trying to honor God, man. I'm going to worship God. And you remember, uh uh-oh, I've offended someone, family, friends, neighbor, stranger, whatever. Leave your gift and go make peace with that person. Then you'll come offer your gift. This is the thought that you don't understand maybe if you didn't grow up in church, but let me put it in a real easy-to-understand statement. You cannot be right with God when you're at odds with people. See, Jesus flipped the script. Everybody thought, well, I'm just going to get right with God. And then they would blow up all their relationships. And Jesus came and said, no, I want you to love God. But equally important is to love people. And if you don't love people, then I'm asking you to pause this idea of loving God. Go make it right. Then you can be connected. That's powerful. That is the power of love. One last verse, 1 Corinthians 13, love forgives everything and love never gives up. On my own, I cannot love this way. And that is why I thank God he sent his son, Jesus, because he demonstrated to us what it truly is to be loved. And then he challenges us to do the same thing out in this world. Would you pray with me? God, I come to you. And I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he demonstrated his love for me, a sinner. And if there's someone here that's never given their life to you, God, I pray that they would say that, God, I'm a sinner. I've messed up and I want you to come into my life. I don't want religion. I don't want denomination. I want a relationship with you. And when I start that relationship, God, I'm going to need your help because it's hard out here. It's hard to love everybody the way that you loved me with a selfless, sacrificial kind of love. But I believe you can help me. And that's why I'm asking you to come into my life and change me. And God, we do need you when we walk out of here. This community, this world is desperate for love. And you knew that that would be the very thing that would change the world. That's how we should be known. Not by what we believe and the words that we preach and the songs that we sing, but by the love that we share with each and every person. Help us, God, to make it real when we walk out of here. Help us to show the love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get an amen out?